truth be told, I'm tired of the devil. I'm tired of the devil trying to have a say so in my mind, trying to have a say so in my decisions. So I promise you, I'm going to try to be on my best behavior, but I'm ready to bully some demons on today. I'm ready to break some chains on my life, off of the youth of our to be up here today. Give my honor to God, who's the head of my life. Give my honor to my leaders, Bishop Michigan and Pastor Dana Wood. I love y'all so much. Um, I tell y'all all the time, the fact that y'all trust me in this position means the world. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful to have this honor to um, be able to minister before y'all. It's been how many years? It's been some years. Okay. And um, give an honor to my parents. Alyssa King of Richardson, Alyssa King of Richardson. Love you too. And all the elders, pastors, threats. I love y'all. All the elders, all of leadership. I love y'all so much. Um, and give an honor to the youth of Uncommon. Hey y'all. Hey. So um, I told them, and y'all can have your seats if y'all want. So I told them that um, soon they will be doing this. So we're taking over the whole youth service and they will be ministering. And so they were like very nervous. And it was like, how about you go first? Little, little did they know I was going to go first. So, um, you know, take notes. I have some um, sticky notes and pens and pencils. If y'all want to take notes, raise your hand if you want to take notes. Ken Ken said she wanted she, Ken Ken said she wanted to take notes. All right, amen. So, Youth Leadership Bar is going to come around with that. And um, I'm getting my teaching back today. Is that all right? Because I realize that that's who I am and that's the anointing over my life. So, I'm not going to be up here being anything other than who God has called me to be. I want to minister in the true authenticity of who God has called me to be. So, class is in session. And um, there's some... You can go to the next slide. So, classes in session. There's some there's some prerequisites that go with this class. I know what prerequisites are. Yes. Just some things that you should know before we get into into the meat of the session. Um, but before that, my topic is Jesus. That's all right. My topic is Jesus, y'all. That's right. And if that don't get you excited. Oh my God, my topic is Jesus. I, I was uh, scrolling on um, social media and I seen this video and a young lady was saying, the truth shall set you free. And I think 
um, where we kind of get, get mixed up is, and this is what she was explaining, we think it's always our truth that sets us free. And then we fall into this lane of compulsive confession, feeling like we always got to tell our truth, tell our truth. But it's not your truth that sets you free. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. It's who Jesus is that sets you free. And so I'm here to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that's going to set me free. Because Jesus set me free. And I get to talk about my best friend. He's my best friend. I get to talk about the love of my life. I get to talk about the one who saves me. The one who protects me. My keeper. My God. I get to talk to y'all about the person that makes me happy. When I wake up in the morning and I think about Jesus, I put a smile on my face. Because he's just been so good. He's just been so amazing. He's just been so wonderful. So I'm, I'm just excited that I don't have to do anything but talk about Jesus. I just got to talk about Jesus. And that's the point where he's bringing so many of us to just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't have to come up here with no, no performance. All I got to do is open my mouth and talk about the one who saved my soul. Oh my God. You know how much weight is lifted up off me? I don't got to I just got to talk about Jesus. So that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and it's so funny because um, as a storyteller, I'm a story storyteller. So I approach the Bible as if I'm reading a story or a narrative. And um, when I was preparing for this word, I was like, you know, we're in a season of becoming. We're in a season of divine alignment and, and sovereign. God is just moving sovereignly in our lives. And many of us are on a potter's wheel and he's making us another. And I was like, I think Peter would be good for this because everybody can relate to Peter, right? Right? And Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, no, we're not going to talk about Peter. I said, why not? He said, because it's time out for us trying to look for people that we can relate to instead of looking to the example. And we cannot continue to look like our callings, our destinies, our journeys do not require to have people around us that relate to us. It feels good. It's wonderful to have, but it's not a requirement. But we can always look to the example because what we don't realize about Peter, the same ear that he cut off, Jesus had to go back and heal. So while you're reacting like Peter, instead of acting like Jesus, reacting like Jesus, Jesus is saying, but I still got to go back and heal your enemy. I still got to go back and heal the very person you cursed out, you told off, the very person you disrespected, because you were supposed to be the example of what it looks like to be Christ-like, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you decided to act like Peter instead of looking at your example that is Jesus. So, I couldn't talk about Peter today, but that's okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, um, so we are going to look at the journey of Jesus as it pertains to becoming and alignment. Um, can you go to my next slide? It should be, okay, so we're going to look at purpose, passion, and assignment. 
Um, and on the next slide, there's an equation. Equation, purpose plus passion plus the understanding of your assignment equals alignment. All right, so all of our purpose is to glorify God. So I just want to take the weight off of you. If you are searching, you're like, God, I don't know my purpose. What is it? It's to glorify God. Simple as that. Your purpose is to glorify God. And in doing that, you don't have to do anything but be who he's called you to be. You don't have to do anything but be. He's called you first as a son, a son of God. And so if you are walking in sonship, you are already glorifying God, just being who you are. And so I find that to be so relieving because that means that I can be as creative as I am, as, as gifted, as introverted as I am, as loving as I am, just being who I am and I'm glorifying God. Amen? So that's purpose. The next part of this equation is passion. Passion. So. Um, I think most people have their phones in their hands. Somebody Google passion for me real quick. Somebody Google passion. And if you are a shouter, you might shout when you see the definition. If you are a runner, you might run when you see the second definition. I know you got it when I hear somebody making some noise. Y'all got it? I don't hear no noise. Y'all got it? <laughs> All right, so... The first definition of passion is strong and barely controllable emotions. But the second definition of passion, according to Google, is the suffering and death of Jesus. That's what Google said. Google said passion is the suffering and death of Jesus. He is the passion. Jesus is the passion. So, a little more about passion. I want y'all to, to keep that in your mind. A little more about passion. Passions are inwardly focused, whereas purpose is outwardly focused. So passion, when you're walking in purpose, but you're also passionate about your purpose, you feel good on the inside, and you're also making a difference on the outside. All right, so. Now we're going into your assignment. So your assignment, remember this is, this, is, this is just prerequisite. So your assignment is a task you are given. Assignments are more specific and they can change, but it is the assignment and the task that you are given in the earth. So your assignment will always be connected to your passion and your purpose. And your purpose will always be the same to glorify God. Amen. So alignment happens when you figure out a way to align your purpose, your passion, and your assignment using the talents and the gifts that God has given you. And this is the manifestation of the sons and daughters. So the reason why you may hear so many people talking about alignment, so many people talking about purpose and, and, and being where you are needed in the kingdom of God, because this is the manifestation of the sons and daughters. This is what the earth 
has been waiting for. And if, if you've been feeling it, if you've been feeling out of sorts, if you've been feeling like you don't know which way is up, which way is down, you don't know where to go, if simply somebody asks you how you're feeling and your answer is, I don't know, you are in your process of becoming in line with who God has called you to be. So don't fret, it's gonna be okay. It's going to be okay. So becoming is simply being in alignment and the acceptance of your purpose, the acceptance of your passion, and the acceptance of your assignments. All right, y'all got those? Y'all got those prereqs? All right, cool. All right, we in class today, y'all. So back to Jesus. Yes, back to Jesus. All right. So um, I'm going to give y'all a few scriptures. Um, we're going to talk about some of the things that Jesus overcame throughout his process into the ascension of who he is called to be, who he was called to be, who he is. He is the Messiah. Yes. He is the one sent to save us. He is the one that was sent by God to die for our sins. And so Jesus had to overcome the system. He had to overcome people. And he had to overcome his flesh. So we're going to start off first with the system. And the system are laws, oppression, statistics, word curses, demonic activity in heavenly realms, principalities, demonic systems at work, anything that uh, was put in the earth. Some, some people say the man, the man trying to keep them down. Some people say, you know... I'm not gonna say, you know, the the more the lighter lighter colored cousins, you know, just blaming, just blaming things that we believe that are in a higher authority and have some kind of power and our laws and some kind of uh, authority over us to keep us in a place of oppression. So we're gonna go to the word, yes. And y'all look at my Bible. This is just a representation of my last season. I just want to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to look at Matthew 2 and 1. And then we're going to skip down to verse 11, and then we're going to skip down to verse 16. So the word of the Lord says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and Acts. I'm sorry, so Magi are the three wise men. From the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, I, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So we're going to skip down to verse 11. And, and verse 11 reads, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Verse 16 says, When King Herod re realized 
that he had been outwitted by the three wise men, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the three wise men. Then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Amen. So what we get from that is another example of systematic oppression. We see this even when Moses was born and King Pharaoh was in rulership over Egypt and they felt like the Israelites were just, you know, just booming, like their population was growing. The more that they oppressed them, the more that they grew. Like the baby kids, we don't die, we multiply. They just kept multiplying and multiplying no matter how hard Pharaoh tried to oppress them. So he said, I'm gonna send two Hebrew women, their midwives. They would represent, in this sense, the medical system, the medical field. So I'm gonna send two Hebrew midwives, and I want y'all to kill all the young boys before they're born. So the Hebrew women got to the to the Israelite women, and they were like, "We can't." They they were convicted by God. They believed in God. And so when Pharaoh thought that these women would be, you know, used to kill all of the baby boys, God said no. So Pharaoh said, just throw them in the river. So they started throwing baby boys in the river, but Moses beat the system. Moses beat the system. So here we are now with Jesus. And there's another decree, another evil king who was saying, I heard about a Messiah. I heard about a baby that was going to come and change the world. I heard that he was going to come and lead the people that I have had in oppression for years into their freedom. And I don't want it to happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to kill some more of the baby boys because I don't want them. I don't want this to happen. And, and if we kill the males, that means the Israelites, they cannot reproduce. They can't reproduce. Now we're in modern times. We're in modern times. And there's literally something in connected to education in the prison system, and it's called the cradle to prison pipeline. Yes, ma'am. And literally there are people building prisons based off of the reading levels of kids right. in elementary school. That's right. Then we have the fact that black women have the highest mortality rate in childbirth than any other ethnicity in the world. In the world. But I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you beat the system. You beat the system. If you are a woman, if you are a black man, if you are a mother, if you are a father, if you are a sister, a brother, if you're over the age of 40, if you are a cancer survivor, if you are living, breathing in this room, you beat the system. So I need you not to act like you are not victorious. I need you to not act like poverty has you bound. I need you to not act like sickness has you bound. And you're going to keep beating it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, our young people, they beat the system. Our young black men in this room, they beat the system. They beat the system. Our young girls, they beat the system. We have already overcome the enemy. We have already overcome the enemy. You beat the system. You beat the system. Yes, Lord, I thank you. My mom often tells her testimony about my life, about her having me young and almost having an abortion with me. And how the story goes, she was on her way, she was riding a train, and I kicked her in her stomach like, Mommy, I'm here. I'm here. And so I did not do that as a baby to get to my big age to think that to allow the enemy to think that he's going to have his way Joseph. He was directing Joseph. He was directing Jesus' past. Even as a baby, he was telling his parents where to hide out, where to go. And he was able to escape what the enemy had planned for him. So Jesus gets a little older. And we're watching him grow. And we're watching him and his journey. And we're watching him and his ascension to the cross. And then he encounters people. He encounters people. And with people comes opinions, comparison, peer pressure, accusations, false narratives, all of that. So we're going to look at our text at three examples of when Jesus was confronted by these different things that just come along with dealing with people. And Jesus was just so patient, just so patient in dealing with people. I'm just so glad that Jesus is patient. That's my testimony for this season. He's patient with me. He's been so patient with me. Even in this very moment, I'm experiencing the love of God and how patient he is with me. Love is patient. Love is, love is kind. Love is, love is long-suffering. I'm experiencing the love of God even in this moment because he's just been so patient with me. Just so patient with me. And I thank the Lord. So we're going to look at John 4, 13. John 4, 13. Actually, I'm sorry. It's John 1. John 4 and 1. 
John 4 1. So the word of the Lord says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So what was happening here was that there were discussions amongst the Pharisees, amongst the religious rulers, about who was baptizing more. They said, John, was ba John baptized this many, but Jesus baptized this many. And what was Jesus' response? He left he said, y'all can continue to have that, those conversations about comparison, but there's more ground to cover. Y'all can continue to talk about who's who and who's doing what, but there's a woman at the well who is thirsty who needs me. So y'all can continue to compare. Y'all can continue to add up the numbers because guess what? I'm gone. And so when Jesus left, he met a woman at the well. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how much time we spend comparing when there's ground to cover, when there's people waiting on us to come into the fullness of our identity? There's people waiting for our yes. There's people waiting for us to come into the authority and the power that God has called us into. But y'all want to compare? Jesus said, I'm out. Y'all can compare. And he met a woman at the well that was thirsty, that was waiting for him. There's someone waiting for you, but you're stuck in comparison. There's someone waiting for you, but you can't stop scrolling up and down on your timeline, looking at who got what and who was saying what. There's someone waiting for your yes. There's someone waiting for you to get focused. There's someone waiting for the word that you have in your belly. But you can't stop comparing. What are we doing? What, what are we doing? What are we doing? We can't, we can't continue to sit there and compare. We have to look to the example. We have to look to the example. Exit out of those conversations where people are comparing you to somebody else. Walk away. Walk away. Choose your conversations wisely. Don't sit there and listen to the gossip. Don't entertain the false narratives. Don't entertain the accusations. Because there's people waiting on you. You got a whole assignment in the earth and you comparing. Lord Jesus. Jesus. But let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. So there's comparison. And then Jesus had to deal with his friends. With his friends. And so when we move on, we're going to go to John seven and five actually hold that hold that hold John seven and five that's that's my third scripture um we're just going to talk a little bit about Jesus's friend so I said I wasn't going to talk about him but he just keep coming up because Peter he just does too much sometimes like many of us he just I yeah we just do some we just do too much sometimes. We just be out here just and Jesus just be like chill. Like. <laughs> so in this scenario, Jesus told the disciples that he was going to be betrayed and killed because that was his purpose. That was his passion. And that was his assignment. 
And so Peter gets up. No, God. No. I'm not acting. Not on my watch. <laughs> They're not going to kill you. And so in Matthew 16 and 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. My God, my God, isn't it crazy how in one season, Peter's a friend, but in the next, he's being called Satan? Isn't that crazy? How did we get here, Peter? How did you become Satan when you were just with the core group? You were like, you and Jesus was like here. You, you being transfigured with him. You met his daddy and his uncle Elijah. Now you're Satan? We got here because somewhere along the way, Peter got in his feelings. Somewhere along the way, Peter forgot that I'm not just looking at my friend, but I'm also looking at the Messiah. I'm not just looking at someone that I, that I love and I eat and I break bread, break bread with, but I'm also looking at the one that was sent here to save the world. And sometimes we can get too familiar with those around us and forget their purpose and their assignment, not just for our lives, but for those that they are called to. And it happens, it happens. Peter's human, so it happens. But Jesus had to let him know, you're acting like the enemy right now. And you're not going to be a stumbling block unto me. Unto me Cause I got places to go. And if I'm walking and you're there and I stumble over you, now I'm walking with a limp. Now is more time getting to where I got to be. And like I said, I got more ground to cover. I got people who need me. I got people who need saving. So Peter, right now, you are Satan. And that happens. That happens to, to many of us. That, so, so what Jesus didn't do was cut Peter off. So just don't be like, just trying to cut everybody off. But what Jesus did was put Peter in his place. He, respectfully, he put Peter in his place. With full authority, he just put him in his place. And if I, and if I was there, I could just imagine Peter just, Like, I'll take a step back and close my mouth. Yeah, because you tripping. Yeah, because you forgot about the assignment. You forgot that I'm not just here for you. I'm here for the whole world. And so we thank God that, that Jesus did not allow himself to be, one second, that Jesus did not allow himself to be confused or held back by Peter. Um, my computer won't move, so I feel like God really wants me to express this point. So, there's two things that you, you have to be aware of in a season of becoming. And that is the temptation to dishonor and the temptation to delay or rush. People will try to flatter you out of your purpose and destiny. People will try to also reject you out of your purpose and destiny. So you have to be aware of both. 
People were trying to get you so big in your head. Oh, you don't, you don't need your leaders. Oh, you, you're bigger than that. Oh, you're big. You, you belong on platforms. You belong. Talk about there. it. You, you're just so good at what you do. Look how God used you. Mm -mm. Get me behind me, Come on. Get me behind me, Satan. Then people will try to come. You ain't nothing. You ain't called. You ain't chosen. Who you think you are? You what? What? Get thee behind me, Satan. You have to be so discerning and so protective of this season of becoming into alignment because people, the enemy is seeking who he may devour. And if he can get you to be delayed, if he can get you to rush and go ahead of God, he will try. He is trying to throw you off any way he can. Don't fall for it. Tell Satan, I need y'all to say it. Get thee behind me, Satan. Because we're not doing that. Because we got we got people to save. We got people assigned to us. We're not gonna we're not gonna allow Satan to delay us, and we're not gonna allow him to rush us. I'm going at the pace of grace. I'm going one revelation at a time. If God gives me the revelation, then I'm going. If God gives me the word, then I'm going. When He says go, I go. When He says run, I run. But until then, I'm gonna stay right here. Because devil, you're not going to try me. You're not going to make me forfeit my inheritance and forfeit everything that I work for. Everything that God has put on the inside of me. You're not going to have me out here looking crazy, stuck and confused. So I'm going with God. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to say what he has for me to say. And I'm going to do what he has for me to do. Because get thee behind me, Satan. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right, y'all. So, so uh, among the lines on the subject of people, Jesus also had to deal with his family. Yeah, talk about it. My God, his family. And this can be a, a very touchy and tricky uh, subject matter, especially if your family in the room. If your family in the room say, hey, family. Say, I love you. So, we're looking at John 7 and 5. No, we're going to start at verse 1. So John 7, verse 1. After Jesus went around in Galilee, he did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of the tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing all these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. My God. Oh my God. <laughs> when I read this, I couldn't help but to laugh. Because I was just like, this is family. Trying him like this. Like, basically they were saying, you just doing this for attention. Uh-huh. They're just saying, you just want to be a public figure. Uh -huh. You're not really who you say you are. They're questioning his motives. Questioning who he is at the core. That had to hurt. 
I know that hurt Jesus because he's able to feel emotions just like the rest of us. And we constantly see in the word of God that his family members are always rejecting him. Did anybody read in the story of when his brothers came to help him? When they was trying to throw him off a cliff? I I didn't read nothing about his brothers coming to the rescue. He was constantly being rejected by his family. His family didn't take up for him. His family didn't even believe who he said that he was. And so the story goes on. And and Jesus, I feel like he was kind of taken aback. because, Because his brother said that. And then it says he went to the festival about halfway through. So I think he had a moment where he was just like, God. I'm so sick of these people. My own family. (laughs) That's what I think. But knowing who Jesus really is, I think he had like a small moment and he forgave them. And he waited for God to say go. He waited for God to, he let go of the offense, my God. He let go of the offense. And this journey of becoming, you will move as fast as you can forgive the offense. And I need you to know and understand that because I've struggled with that for so long. God, how do I let go of the offense? God, they offended me. They hurt my feelings. God, it wasn't right. It wasn't fair. And Jesus is like, I know. Look, they rejected me. They offended me so many times. But this is a part of your process and you got somewhere to go. You got somewhere to be. So Jesus went to the festival. Halfway through, he was was fashionably late. And when he got there, he began to teach. And I love this moment that Jesus began to teach because I believe this is one of the first moments that he confronted his enemies in the face because he already knew what they were planning. He said, why are you trying to kill me? And this was such a pivotal moment in his ministry. Because he was looking his enemies in the face and telling them, I know what you're planning. I know what you're about to do. But guess what? I'm going to teach anyhow. I'm going to become anyhow. I'm going to ascend anyhow. I'm going to keep going anyhow. Because your wicked plans, your wicked schemes and plots can't hold me back. In fact, they're going to escort me to where I got to be. You need to start thinking of your enemies, not as people that are trying, that are going to kill you and hold you back, but escorts. You're just escorting me to a greater place of authority, a greater place of power. You're just escorting me to becoming and to being more sure of myself. Because when you said I wasn't anointed, I went back to my father and he reassured me. When you said I didn't have what it takes, I went back to my and he reassured me. So thank you for escorting me to another level of confidence. Thank you for escorting me to another level of clarity and understanding of my assignment and about who I am. They're your escorts. They're your escorts. Stop calling them your enemies. They're your escorts. Look for a way to learn from it. Look for a way to use it. The word of God says your enemy shall be your footstool. So stand on top of them and So Jesus, he got over 
he got over his family, he got over the offense, and he went and taught, and he confronted his enemies. He confronted his enemies, and this is his, his ascension to the cross. So we're going we're gonna to fast forward. Because Jesus, he had to, once he overcame the system, he overcame people, he had to also overcome himself. He had to overcome flesh. Because he was 100% God and 100% man. Where EJ at? That's our song, 100% God, 100% man. He had to overcome it. He had to overcome his flesh. Because what was about to happen next we didn't need Jesus the carpenter. We didn't need Jesus the brother. We didn't need Jesus the, we just need Jesus the Messiah to show up. And so what Jesus did, he was very proactive. He was very proactive in this. He dealt with his flesh at the beginning of his ministry. He was led into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. He fasted because fasting turns your appetite towards God. Now you are no longer um, desiring things of the world and desiring things of the flesh because your appetite is turned towards God. Because you now know that the bread of life is what fills you because man cannot live by bread alone. Right? So he dealt with this head on because he knew there were, there were going to be different circumstances where he could not react out of his flesh. He could not react like Peter. He could not react in the full humanness of who he was. So he dealt with his flesh early on so that nothing about his ministry can be perverted. So that nothing about his ministry can be perverted. This, if, you, if you're dealing with the spirit of perversion in any kind of way, fast, pray. Get your desires in alignment yes. with God. Come into alignment with God. Yes. Amen. Yes. So, this fasting and praying was instrumental for his entire journey. But it was the most, most instrumental when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I don't know about you, but... In this season, right now, I feel like I'm in the midst of my garden. And this is a hard season because it feels like this is, this is where fear and faith both exist. How can fear and faith both exist? And I would ask myself, God, how, how, how can I be so full of faith but still be afraid? And so I look to Jesus my example and we're gonna go to Luke Luke 22 so Jesus went out as usual to the mountain of olives and his disciples followed him on reaching the place he said to them pray that you will not fall into temptation he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your wills be done. But your will be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. 
and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Every time I read this, it just does something to me because I can just imagine Jesus, the Messiah, praying on his knees. Jesus is the prophet, so he knew exactly what was about to happen. He's seen it. He's seen how bad they're going to be him. He could probably tell you how many times that they were gonna allow the whip to hit his back. He could probably tell you how many thorns were in, were in the crown of thorns. He could probably tell you how many ounces of blood that he was about to lose. He could probably tell you all the places that it was about to hurt. And to think, knowing all of that, he still had to choose to get up and do what he was purposed to. Jesus, my God. I can imagine Jesus crying and weeping. They said, they said his sweat was like droplets of blood. I can, I've never in my life, how can sweat be like droplets of blood? But it says it in the word. So that means he was sweating uh, profusely. He was crying profusely. Like, it's just crazy to even consider. But I can imagine that while he was there, on his knees crying, an image of me came up. His passion. An image of Kennedy came up. His passion. An image of Zoe came up. His passion. His passion. His passion. So while he was sitting there contemplating if whether or not he would obey, of whether or not he would follow through, an image of the very thing, the very person, the very people that he was called to, called to save came up in his mind and it was me. It was me. He thought about me. He thought about me. And he said, not my will, but your will be done, God. Not my will, but your will be done. I did not get this far in my journey to give up on who you've called me to save. He said, I'm almost there, God. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. But if you could let this cup pass for me, okay, but if not, not my will, but your will be done. Because I see Nikea, and I know she's going to need a friend. Because I see Nikea, and she needs a savior. She needs someone who knows her better than she knows herself. She, see, she needs someone who knows that greatness is inside of her. She needs someone to know, oh God, that she is called. She needs to know. She needs to Not my will, not my will, but yours be done. But yours be done. How many people in here are so happy that God is passionate about you? That's so happy that Jesus is passionate about you. That when he was in that garden against Symphony, he seen your face. When he was contemplating whether or not to become, whether or not to ascend, he heard your name. He heard your name and he got up and he said, 
You're at a crossroads. Either way you go, I'm there. I'm there. You don't understand if you're hearing the voice of God or hearing your own desires in your own heart. But it's okay. Because I'm still leading you. I got you. I got you. You're becoming, but you're not doing it alone. You're becoming, but you're not doing it alone. And then this quest for alignment. Truth be told, many of us won't be in alignment until we create our own lane. Jesus was the first to do it, the only Messiah. So many of us are being pushed into this, this area of pioneering. And Jesus, and God says it's hard, but I've called you to do it. I've called you. I can keep playing the song with it. <laughs> I've called you to do it. You're graced for this. You're great to be a pioneer. You're grace to create your own lane. You're grace to do what you have never seen done in the earth before. You're grace to do what your parents haven't done. You're grace to do to do what your cousins haven't done. You're grace to do what you have not seen yet. And I'm with you. And I'm with you. So I thank God that he's He's passionate about me. And I thank God that he's allowing my purpose, my passion, and my assignment to come into alignment. In this moment, I don't even feel aligned. I just, I just know that I'm moving in faith and I'm stepping out on faith and, and doing what I believe God has called me to do. In this moment, I just know that I am killing every insecurity that I've ever had about my calling, about my purpose, about who God has called me to be. Because where I'm going next, insecurity can't go. Where God has called me to, I have to kill the insecurity about my sound, about my uniqueness, about my creativity, about my calling, about where he has destined for me to be. Insecurity cannot go. And that is all God is for us to do. Kill the insecurity. Step by on faith. Get rid of the insecurity. I know you don't know where to go, but wherever you are going, insecurity can go. I know you don't know what to do, but whatever it is, insecurity can come with you. I know you don't know who to trust or what relationships to get in, but whatever it is, whoever it is, insecurity cannot be a part of it. It's no longer a part of your narrative. It's no longer a part He's changing a narrative. Jesus, step in. Step in your bloodline. Rearrange your DNA. Change your narrative. And insecurity is not a part of it. Fear is not a part of it. That's not a part of your story. That's not a part of your story. No, you don't know the next chapter. But I'm here to tell you, fear and insecurity is not in the next chapter. No, you don't know the next step. But fear and insecurity is not the next step. It's not. It's not. We're killing it today. We're killing it today. We're killing it today. In the name of Jesus, it has to go. We're killing it today. It has to go. It has to go. It has to go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You don't got to know. You don't have to have all the details. All you have to know is that where you're going, who you're becoming, and where you're ascending to, fear can't go. They can't live there. 
the mighty name of Jesus. So I want all the youth to come up. And we're going to pray. And if you are an adult and you feel like you've just been out of alignment, you can come up too. Whoever you are, all of us. We're going to pray. We're going to pray in unity. Because being in alignment is not an individual problem. Please hear me. Please hear me. One person not being in alignment is not an individual problem. It's an issue for the body. It's an issue for the body. So if one of us is out of alignment, all of us is out of alignment. And we got to get to the place where we are not criticizing, where we are not gossiping and accusing our brothers and sisters because they're obviously not alignment. They're a little awkward. They're a little off and they're calling. They don't really know how to manage. No, we need to pray in unity and understand that my brother's problem is my problem. My sister's problem is my problem. Because if one of us is off, all of us is off. God is, God is coming back for one church. One body. He's not coming back just for the finger. Then I'm going to go over here and get the toe. No. He's coming back for the entire body. So we have to pray in unity. We have to pray as if we want our brothers and sisters to succeed as much as we want ourselves to succeed. Because when one go up, we all going up. Uncommon, we're all We're gonna pray, and, and elders, I'm asking that you would um, anoint the youth and whoever's at the altar who just came up for prayer. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Real nice, God. Real Thank nice. you, Father. I want to pray your heart, God. I want to pray your heart, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, that you are here. We thank you, Lord God, that your glory is in this room, Father. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for your greatness. We thank you, Lord God, that you are holy, that you are sovereign, that you are wonderful. We thank you, Lord God, for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you, Lord God, that you are Lord over these babies, that you are Lord over these children. Father God, we thank you. There's no one like you, God. You are the head authority. You are the one that gives us our identity. You are the
lifted up in the room. The breaker is here. 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 Fear is being broken off. Anxiety is being broken off. Low self-esteem is being broken off. Oh God, even the seeds, even the seeds of perversion, the seeds of anxiety, the seeds. Oh Father God, that were implanted in these babies, we're killing it at the root. We're snatching it from the root. We're killing the seed. We're killing the seed. And we're praying crop builder now. We're praying crop builder now. We're praying crop builder now. Fear cannot have you. Anxiety cannot have you. Depression is not your portion. In the name of Jesus. And you will know your identity. You will know who God has called you to be. And you will accept it. And you will accept it. And you will accept it. You will accept the standard that is over your life. You will accept the standard that is over your life. And you won't shrink back in the name of Jesus. And you won't shrink back in the name of Jesus. Because there's people called to you. There's people assigned to you. Assigned to what's in your belly. So there's no shrinking back. There's no bowing back. There's no walking in fear. There's no walking in timidity. That's not your portion. That's not your portion. That's not your portion. That's not your portion. God says you are the head and not the tail. That you are above and not below. Oh God, God says that you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That you are whole. That you are healed. That you are his. That's what he says. That's what he says. That is the only identity, the only narrative that we are ascribing to. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ooh. Oh God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your glory. Oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your glory come until they're filled. Let your glory come. Let your glory come. Let your glory come. Let your glory come. Let your glory come, Father. Let your glory come. The kind of glory that burns out all fear. The kind of glory that sets us on fire. The kind of glory that sends them back to school to be disciples. The kind of glory. That kind of glory, God. That kind of glory, God. That kind of glory, Jesus. That kind of glory, God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
about Hosea being a parabolic prophet and how Hosea had to live out what God had felt because when Hosea was asked to go back and marry Gomer who was a prostitute it was God's way of showing uh, living through Hosea the fact that that's how he felt to have to go back and deal with somebody who had rejected you to somebody to deal with somebody that had turned away from you and so he had to walk out that which <laughs> that which he was called to be the message for and so there's been many nights and there's been many conversations between this one and I and, and her pastor and I about some things that she was going through and today I know that she's walking out and living out oh God, I hate it. because there's a difference when you become the messenger and so now I command you to live I command you to become and by the authority of God invested in me So we cover you in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ. So we cover you as God will call you to go forth. We cancel every assignment of the enemy. Every chain that better be broken. Every generational curse be denied and destroyed and utterly cast down. And goes back now into the peace of hell from which it came. And we say, as you have decreed, get thee behind me, Satan. You will have a life. You will have her mind. And we take authority so that she shall and will become that which you have called her to become. And the whole church agreed in the clapping of their hands and the lifting of their voices. Come on, come on, come on. Out of this place shall come many leaders. Out of this place shall come many sounds. Out of this place shall come many anointings. All over the room, lift up your voice and begin to proclaim now that God is doing something in me. There's a greater anointing. There's a greater purpose. I work with the greater one. Greater is he that is in me. I cancel every assignment of insecurity. I cancel every assignment of fear and anxiety. I will not go back. I won't go back. I won't go back to the dark places. But oh, Yabasor, Rabande, Rostomande, Mekoko, Tatasetene, Rokosetene, Yashatabad, Rabande, Yes, so, yes, Lord, I feel the waters and moving. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. 
spirit of the God, God, I thank you. The spirit of transformation is in here. There's a paradigm shift. Somebody's shaking their mind. I need you to look into the eyes of Jesus and see what he sees about you. Oh my. Sunya Basea. Rebekun Sebelekun Rebatailosu. Rebapandrebekun Sitelelia Shadamahaya. Thank you, Father. Fresh anointing. A fresh anointing for Yamanda the ocean. The earth is shifting. Thank you, Father. Generations and generations will praise his name. Generations and generations will give him glory. There's generations in the room and generations will lift him high. And generations will call upon his name. And generations. There's generations. There's generations from the unborn that's in the womb. Three. Three in the womb. To the oldest in the house. To the youngest <laughs> generations will lift him high generations come on y'all say in prayer as a minister you can return to your seat but as you return to your seat Can you just turn to your neighbor and remind them that something's great is coming out of your life? Something great is coming out of your life. Come on, tell them something great is coming out of your life. Come on, something great is coming. I need you to minister to your neighbor. Tell them something great is coming out of your life. Come on, turn around and minister to your your neighbor. Tell them something great is coming out of your life. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. Can you tell your neighbor? I need you to find somebody and let them know. Come on, you're in the right place at the right time. Come on. Something great is coming out of your life, fam. Something late great is coming out of your life, elders. Sorry. Something great is coming out of your life, David. Shailen, something great is coming out of your life, Frank. Something great is coming out of your life, Nicole. Something great to every visitor all around the room. Yes, Lord. Nevaeh, something great is coming out of your life. Yes, Lord. There's something great. Yamasuya, Nadayo, Sotoyere. Something great, something great, something great, something great, something great, something great. Eyes haven't seen it, ears haven't heard it, neither have it entered in the hearts of men. Eyes haven't seen it. You have God. You've yet to live it out. The full capacity of what God is about to do. You've yet to see it, but it's coming. You've yet to see it, but it's on the way. You've yet to see it, but so you'll experience it. You're yet to see it, but God says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, I called you to see. Oh, open up the portals of heaven, God, and cause our eyes to see and our ears to hear a supernatural revelation of what God is about to do. I need every person of faith to begin to believe it. If you can see it, if you can see it, yes, God, the Lord says it's yours. If you believe it, he says you can have it, yes, Lord. Something good is happening. 